0: I've listened to Ladylike by Ingrid Andrus since it came out in 2020. And I listened to it once yesterday. Welcome to Spin It. Hello everybody, welcome back to Spin It, the record-ranking podcast for people who would rather be listening to music. I'm James, and with me, as always, you probably know him by now, it's Connor.
1: Spin it like, whoa, ba ba da ba da I didn't have more than that
0: first line. <laughs> That's okay. It sounds like at least some of this album stuck with you. That was the the last track, the title track, Ladylike, right?
1: Yeah. Well, let's just jump right to that one. Let's really go out of order this episode. <laughs>
0: Let's <laughs> start at the last track and then we'll come back and we'll end with factor spin.
1: Oh, yeah, we'll spin it, re- spin it rewind. You know, we're going to do everything in reverse.
0: No, I don't like it. That's going to throw me all kinds of off. I did my notes forwards.
1: I did my notes sideways.
0: <laughs> whatever. Yeah, whatever that looks like. Sure. Anyway, welcome back to the podcast. Hope you have had an excellent week since last week when we talked about Weezer and the Blue Album. It's
1: actually kind of bad, but yeah.
0: Oh, cool. I don't know where to go from that. <laughs> well, you know what? It's a whole new week plenty of time to uh seven days in fact to have another week yeah so so good luck
1: i'll try harder i'm sorry
0: we'll start it off on a high note here by talking about ladylike and ingrid andrus well
1: a high note if you like ladylike by ingrid andrus that's a good point otherwise
0: it might be a medium note or even a low note but we'll have to wait and find out
1: medium rare note
0: a medium rare (laughs) note
1: my notes are like steaks never well done. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's a good, good point.
0: Yeah. Well, Ingrid Andrus was born in 1991. She's 30 years old, which is remarkably young. I think for, you know, a lot of these country music songwriters are way older than that. She's from Michigan, but she grew up in Colorado. And of course she's around Nashville nowadays. She went to college for music and songwriting, and then she broke onto the country music scene as an artist and in 2019 with her first single, More Hearts Than Mine, even though she was singing and writing songs a long, long time before that. She actually has a lot of songwriting credits out and about for pop artists and other you know just just people around and she's written for and with artists like sam hunt alicia keys charlie xcx she wrote the song boys and obviously plenty more than that but those are some of the highlights 2018 is when she signed with warner music nashville and that's when she started on her career as an artist here's a fun fact i don't know if you encountered this one while you were preparing for the episode
1: i did and i'm annoyed it was on the it was on the rundown list (laughs) and by i i mean the mixtaper was annoyed
0: i thought it might have been a factor spin, but that's why I put it there plenty in advance and said you should have looked.
1: Mixtape should have looked. I have nothing to do with it.
0: She actually shares a really fun and unexpected connection with a couple other artists that we've done. Well, one in particular, she was in two acapella groups that competed on the sing-off. The first group that she was a part of was called Pitch Slapped. That's funny. Yeah, I know, right? It's one of the best names for an acapella group. And then the second group was called Delilah.
1: Less funny. Should have stuck with Pitch Slapped? Well, I mean, Pitch Slapped didn't win. Did Delilah win?
0: No, because Delilah competed against Pentatonics. Oh, wow, look at that. Yeah, so she was on the sing-off competing against the Pentatonics. That's cool. Who knew, right? Small world. And I think, you know, to hear her sing on this record makes total sense to me. She'd be a powerhouse in an acapella group or even two acapella groups.
1: Go for the trifecta.
0: You know what? She's still got time. As far as awards go in her, you know, early on in her career, she's got an ACM, two CMA, and won CMT Award nominations in 2020, including New Artist of the Year, Song of the Year, and Breakthrough Video of the Year for more hearts
1: than mine. Let's see. I'm going to go with American Country Music, Country Music Artist, and I'm not quite sure what CMT would be.
0: Oh, okay. You're close. I think we've talked about them
1: before in other country episodes. I don't know if we've ever bothered to, and if we did, I didn't listen.
0: Right. <laughs> As usual. Yeah. Well- ACM is the Academy of Country Music.
1: Ooh, I was close.
0: CMA is the Country Music Association. Ooh, also close. Got all my A's wrong. The C&M is always country music, yeah. Uh, and then CMT is country music television. Gotcha. Yeah, they're all very different things but
1: all about country music
0: yeah they are all about country music in 2021 she earned three grammy nominations and this record was nominated for best country album
1: what does grammy stand for
0: i don't know in some cases it's short for grandma but i don't think that's applicable (laughs) here
1: dude if the grammys were all actually the grandma awards i would watch them way more often they just awarded
0: people's Grammys for things.
1: Yeah. You uh, knitted the most sweaters in the last year. Have a Grammy.
0: Yeah. You gave your grandchildren the most treats from your purse. Most hard candies. Most hands of bridge won the Grammy Awards. Spin it Grammy Awards. (laughs) Everyone nominate your Grammy (laughs) at (laughs) spinitpod.com. What a tangent. Anyway, um, yeah, Ingrid, three Grammy nominations. And basically the point is only two years into her career as an artist, and she's already making a pretty significant splash in the professional industry world. This week, we're talking about Ladylike, her debut and only album to date. If you haven't heard it, if you want the context for all the stuff we're about to say, go ahead and give it a listen. It's only eight songs. At least, you know, the non-deluxe edition. And uh, it's a pretty quick, pretty easy listen, I think. You'll be through it before you know it. And you'll have eight more songs that you have heard. So, you know, why not check it out? This record came out on March 27th, 2020. Very early on into the COVID times. It's a very pop country country. You know, it's a little bit not quite as pop country as Casey Musgraves. But I think people with more pop-leaning sensitivities will probably like this a little more than a straight-up country country record, right? Makes sense. And like we mentioned, the album does have a deluxe edition that came out in October 2020, but we're not talking about that one. It's got a couple extra songs, some reimaginings of songs that are on this record, and it's all shuffled around funny. All the songs are in a different order, which is kind of unusual for a deluxe edition. But fun trivia, she co-wrote and co-produced the entire album. You know, I know we've had a few artists that have done things like that, but... It's super impressive and pretty rare, especially in country music.
1: Makes sense, though. She got her start as a songwriter.
0: And in fact, a couple of these songs started out as songs that she was writing for other people, and then she decided to keep them for herself.
1: And then pulled a Hank Williams and went, no, this is mine.
0: Yeah, yeah, I should sing this instead of whoever I was writing it for. This one's too good for you. So, Some of these would be too good for other people, I think. I think there's a lot of gold on this album. Sounds
1: like you're a big uh, fan of this album.
0: Well, I like it. I like a lot about it, but we'll get into that right now before. Before we tell you all of our official opinions about this album it's time to get into the facts about this album and some absolute bold-faced lies about this album and play
1: factor spin
0: oh we got a new theme song
1: Season you know season two need, uh, needed a new theme song
0: yeah we've kind of wavered back and forth between a bell and a theme song i don't know it's been a whole thing
1: and- It's me, the Mixtaper! Ah, yes,
0: hello, hello, welcome back to the podcast. Audience, this is the Mixtaper, Mixtaper, this is the audience. What do you got for me this week? How's Factor Spin looking for you? You confident?
1: I'm excited, I'm excited. You know, sometimes when it's a newer artist that hasn't been out and famous for a while, it's harder to find... Real deep-dived facts and spins, but I'm, I'm excited about this one. I got some good stuff.
0: I bet there's a lot out there, because, yeah, she's at least been in the public eye with these acapella groups for quite a while, so who knows what you've found. I'm
1: interested to see. Well, let's jump right into it. Head first. We know she's a country singer. We know she's a country writer. We know she used to be an acapella singer, but did you know she was a professional baseball coach? Baseball coach? Yes. Yes.
0: Okay, so what kind of coaching did she do? Uh, you say professional, so I'm guessing, you know, not Little League baseball or anything. We're talking at least, if you're going to say a professional coach, I think, I think high school is like the minimum level that you'd be
1: coaching. Well, she was a coach for the Colorado Rockies.
0: For, oh, for the Rockies? Like a professional baseball coach?
1: Yeah, a professional baseball coach.
0: Okay, okay. Um, What did she coach? Like hitting or field? Like what was her job?
1: Uh, Her official title was honorary coach.
0: Okay, yeah. That, that's a little That's a little better. Okay, honorary coach. To what does she owe the honor?
1: Uh, Her father. Yeah? Brad Andrus was on the coaching staff as strength and conditioning coach for the Colorado Rockies, the Detroit Tigers, and the New York Mets.
0: Okay, okay. You're making a lot of sense. Well, kind of. We'll get into why you're not making a lot of sense with that in a second. But first and foremost, she is from Colorado, like we said, so playing and coaching being involved with the Rockies would make sense. Second of all, she does mention, you know, on a couple of these songs, especially the big one, More Hearts Than Mine, she talks extensively about her family. And so, you know, she's given interviews and stuff about how her dad was on the road a lot for his job. So traveling with a sports team would make a lot of sense to me. Now, you said he worked with the Rockies, the the Tigers, and the Jets? Like, is he doing... And the Mets, and the, Met. the Mets. The Mets, the still New York. So he was all over the country then.
1: That also, not in that order. <laughs> give two in a weird order
0: <laughs> oh see so the michigan thing makes a lot of sense there too
1: the exact timeline he was coach for the detroit tigers from 1990 to 1999 the rockies from 2000 to 2008 and the mets for 2011
0: okay that makes a lot of sense it's frustrating me because that lines up exactly with you know her backstory and what i know about him all right so what made what's the job of an honorary coach do you get to show up and meet the players? Do you do you you know do some kind of loudspeaker announcement? You go on the field. What's the deal?
1: Uh, I think the only thing in the job description is probably be present with your father while he's working. She was a child when the when this happened. Well, right. Yes. She would you know come to the practices and games and stuff to spend time with her dad and like travel with him and the family when they'd go away for games. And so, you know, the team got used to having her around and made her an honorary coach. Gave her a personalized jersey and bat with her name on it.
0: Yeah, what'd they do for her four siblings? I don't know. Okay. Um, I think there's some holes in this fact, but there are holes in every fact you give me. And I don't know. I, I'm a fan of the Rockies. They're my NL team. Go Rockies. I'm going to say this is true.
1: Starting off with a fact.
0: Yeah, I'm going to say she was the honorary coach coach, I guess.
1: This is a spin. Oh, man. Okay. Ooh, you scared me there when you mentioned the siblings. I did not even know she had siblings, so have oh, you followed that any farther? <laughs>
0: Dang it. Well, it just didn't make sense to me that they would give her this honorary jersey and make her the captain and stuff and then like snub all the rest of the siblings. So I kind of just assumed they did it to everyone.
1: Yeah. Well, and I wasn't even sure she had siblings or if that was like a trick question or trying to trip me up. So I just said, I don't know uh, to play it safe.
0: (laughs) Your fail safe there. Is that even on a lot of the facts, you don't know a lot about them sometimes. (laughs) So when you say, I don't know, it's really, it's really fine. as a defense mechanism. Darn it. Okay.
1: Fair enough. But yeah, started off with a spin. All all the stuff about her dad and the traveling and all that, like you said, true, it lines up perfectly. They just didn't make her honorary coach.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So he was all of those things. All right. Yep. At least I'm not off the mark with that story. All right. Fact two, episode two, round two.
1: (laughs) Now you're doing it. (laughs) Uh, yeah, so like I said, we know she's uh, you know professional singer, professional songwriter, uh, professional acapella singer, not professional baseball coach, but she is an ex heavy metal band artist, a
0: professional ex heavy metal band artist. That's kind of, that felt like what you were building towards.
1: Uh, I mean, professional is all in, you know, I'm sure that they carried themselves professionally.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, tell me a little bit about the, the metal scene and how she got into that.
1: Yeah. Uh, she founded the band. Really? Yeah. What
0: was the band called?
1: I don't know. <laughs> Tricky. <wow. laughs>
0: You don't know what the band's called. What did she do in this heavy metal band? Played the drums. How old was she when she started it? How long did it last?
1: In middle school, during her teen emo phase. Okay. And it was very short-lived, but it helped confirm her desire to be a singer when she grew up. Interesting.
0: Did she listen to a lot of heavy metal music? Like, why was that her genre of choice?
1: Coldplay was... Number one on her iPod growing up. Do you know what heavy metal music is? This here says, she said in an interview that Coldplay and Evanescence were her top two listens growing up. And when talking about her time as a heavy metal band, I mean, what do you want from me?
0: But Coldplay is not, <laughs> Coldplay's not heavy metal. I, I'll give you Evanescence has a little bit more of an edge.
1: All metal is heavy to some degree. But have you listened to Coldplay at all? They're more heavy metal than what she is now. <laughs>
0: they're not They're maybe less heavy metal than she is now i'm calling baloney on this this is a spin i if it's not a spin you really needed to put a little more research into this one
1: this is a fact and that's a direct quote from her one talking about why she started a heavy metal band she said she grew up listening to that music during her teen emo phase and that coldplay and evanescence were her top two listens I don't know what you want from me. It's a direct quote. Uh, There's absolutely.
0: I'm going to. There's no way that Coldplay inspired her to be heavy metal. Maybe they inspired her to play music, but nothing about Coldplay is heavy metal
1: at all. I'm not saying. I'm just saying what she said. I, I took those right from her own quote, came out of her own mouth.
0: Okay. You need a lesson in heavy metal, but we'll get to that. That's a fact. She started in a heavy metal band playing the drums. Yep. Does
1: she still play the drums? Yeah, but she prefers the piano. Mm,
0: I did know that. Yeah, I know she doesn't play the guitar very much. So I was hoping that you would slip up and say that, but obviously this whole thing was true, so.
1: Well, it was a true fact. There was nothing to slip up on. All right, all right. Let's uh, move
0: on to number three. Let's put that just dumpster fire behind us.
1: (laughs) So, we know she's a country singer, songwriter, cappella singer, not professional baseball coach, was in a heavy metal band, and supposedly she was also in a hip-hop group.
0: Yeah, okay. Yeah, uh, who else was in this hip, Which was she inspired by, like, Elton Flipping John to do hip-hop? What are you, what are you about to tell me? <laughs> okay, hip-hop group, did this come before or after the heavy metal band?
1: This was after.
0: Okay, heavy metal band dissolves in middle school, and she says, I still want to do music, I'm going to pursue hip-hop. Just tell me more. I don't know what to ask yet. Tell me more.
1: Uh, one of her guilty pleasure passions is hip hop dancing.
0: Okay, sure. Yeah, I can believe that, I guess. Uh, so so this group was a dance group then? Correct. Not like a, a hip hop making group? Correct. They were a dance group called The Blazing Heat. Okay. What kind of songs did she dance to? Uh,
1: so they danced in hip hop music videos and dance competitions. Most notably... Their group was in the music video for Miley Cyrus's song, Bangers, in 2013.
0: 2013? Uh-huh. So this is like after after the sing-off happened. Uh-huh. So she's already been in two pretty successful acapella groups, and then she moves into a dance troupe and is in Miley Cyrus' music video. I don't know. I don't know. That's a hard one to believe. She can only do so much, right? I know that choreography is a big part of acapella, and... I'm sure she likes hip-hop music, right? She just likes music, as evidenced by a range that goes from Coldplay to Evanescence.
1: I only have one other piece of information about this fact, and I'll just give it to you, because it sounds like you're getting close to making a decision. Does it help at all uh, in your decision-making to tell you that... The choreography for all of her music videos for the singles off this album were directed and choreographed by her.
0: Oh, so she did her own choreography for all of the videos then. Yes. She's got experience. I'm going to still say that this one's a spin because I think she's probably a good choreographer and stuff and that's all fine and dandy, but I- Feel like I feel like she learned all that in her acapella groups. I'm gonna have to. I'm shying away from Miley Cyrus's hip hop dance troupe That's really suspicious of you.
1: This is a spin.
0: <laughs> yes. All right. All right. Thank you. Thank you. I'll take my point. I was starting to fear shutout.
1: Yeah. Uh... Hip hop dancing is a passion and she did help. She didn't, I don't know if she did 100% of the choreography or much like the the songwriting. She was just like co-writing and co-choreographer or whatnot, but she did work on the choreography on all the videos, Uh, all that. She just wasn't part of an official dance troupe that was in Miley Cyrus's. Video.
0: Yeah, she just there was no famous pug that pooped on her kick drum pedal. It was just a <laughs> random pug. Right. One of those one of those sneaky tricks.
1: But yeah, you know, she hip hop dances in the privacy of her own home, not in music videos.
0: She's kind of a, a little bit of a Jill of all trades then. Yeah, with uh, the singing, the dancing, the drumming and heavy metal bands, the, the album producing and the songwriting.
1: The whole package. She was a model for a little bit in high school too. Was that another fact? No, well, I mean, it's a true fact. It's not my next thing for you to guess, but my final one for you. She was mentored by an American Idol judge. Interesting.
0: Which American Idol judge? Are we talking from the good seasons or from the bad seasons? Please tell me it's Steven Tyler. That'd be wild and totally untrue. It's
1: Cara Diaguardi. Kara Diaguardi, not quite sure how the first name's pronounced, but it's Diaguardi.
0: Yeah, I remember those days of American Idol.
1: Yeah, uh, she, she was a judge on the show's eighth and ninth season. Yeah,
0: Okay. How did she get that connection?
1: So she, well, you mentioned she went to college for music. She went to the uh, Berkeley College of Music, where uh, Cara Diaguardi is the Herb Alpert Visiting Scholar. Oh, no way. Uh, in the fall and puts on a summer workshop every summer where she shares career advice and wisdom with students in songwriting courses.
0: Okay. Okay. You've taken this in a good direction, true or false. So she was a, a student in one of these seminars then, one of these summer classes? Correct.
1: Right. The Aguardi was actually so impressed by one of the songs that that she wrote while at uh, Berkeley that she signed her to a publishing deal in Nashville after she left school early.
0: Okay, now you're speaking my language. Who with?
1: Uh, don't know. I think it was. It would have been whoever you mentioned. Didn't you mention who she was a songwriter for earlier? I think that's who it was.
0: Well, she signed with Warner Music as an artist.
1: Uh, okay. Uh, yeah, I don't remember the name of the of the studio she worked with as a songwriter after as her first gig.
0: Oh, that's interesting. I- I think everything about that checks out. You know, that that all seems super believable. The biggest place you're going to get me on a hang up here is that the American Idol judge may have no affiliation to the school whatsoever. And it might be someone totally different. And
1: you've just replaced them with, with an obscure judge from American Idol.
0: Yeah, I think that's a possibility. But I'm going to roll the dice. and I'm going to say this is a fact.
1: Oh, you're going to go with facts. I, th- I was waiting on you to pull the switcheroo for me. You were setting up, you're like, yeah, this is very believable. So spin. <laughs> like, I was waiting on one of those switcheroos.
0: No, but sometimes I feel better if I justify it beforehand, and I like let the audience know. This is the piece that I am skeptical of. So if I say fact and it's a spin, I don't sound too foolish. And if I say spin and it's a fact, at least we can pinpoint exactly where I've gone wrong.
1: Let's see. Well, where you went wrong on this one was nowhere. This was a fact. <laughs> was nowhere. <laughs>
0: All right. <laughs> a fact. That's cool. That's so interesting. I had no idea.
1: But once again, we find ourselves. You know, deadlocked, 2-2 split. (laughs) 50-50 all around. Uh, Season 2, neither one of us can get the upper hand over the other. Nope,
0: nope, not yet, but... You know what? Tomorrow's a new day.
1: I don't care about tomorrow. I just care about next week when I'm back with another round of Factor Spin.
0: All right. Well, thanks for another great round of Factor Spin. We've learned so much today.
1: We, we learned. We, let's recap what we learned. We learned she is a country music artist. Yes. She is a songwriter. Yes. She was in an acapella group. Right. Twice. Twice. Uh, She was not a professional baseball coach. She was in a heavy metal band. She was not in a hip hop group. And she was mentored by an american idol judge
0: how about that we learned all of those things and more and we're only so early into this episode and with that i'll see you next week yeah wouldn't it be funny if he didn't see us next week what if neither of us showed up and like if he went blind
1: oh 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 you went with not show up
0: (laughs) no (laughs) yeah i went with not show up
1: uh, I went with like a Daredevil style accident where like toxic chemicals got into his eyes and made him his hearing really good.
0: And made him a superhero in addition to being a supervillain. Oh my gosh.
1: Yeah, you play, if you play both sides of the, of, the, of the battle, you can never lose. What an identity crisis that would be. He could be his own archenemy. He probably already is. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs>
0: Based on what I know about the guy. Well, I would not advise the mixtaper to go near chemicals. That would be bad advice.
1: Well, first we gotta do the cover art. Otherwise, that was a great transition.
0: I know. Well, it was just right there and I could not do it, but we have to talk about the album cover. Okay, let me get off of Coldplay, Spotify. I had to go back and listen to old Coldplay to make sure that you weren't, like, I was not wrong about Coldplay. You had me that insecure about it. This album art is pretty simple and I honestly don't have a lot to say about it. There's a big leafy square from which she is emerging.
1: Yeah, I called it a hedge.
0: Yeah, big old hedge window.
1: I also I also actually referred to in my notes the hedge uh as steve
0: oh you're doing over the hedge that's the
1: yeah that's
0: a throwback that's name of the hedge and
1: over the hedge i don't know if the audience will still even get that that's so old we got some uh, the newer audience members might not but anyone from our age or older ought to have a chance
0: there's like a window where you understand over the hedge jokes
1: like on this album where she's in a hedge window i'm maybe that's what she was thinking of (laughs) yeah that's what I'm going to go with. I, I just like it. I like her top. I don't know. Is it a jacket that's unzipped? Is it meant to look like that? I don't know what it is. It's ambiguous what it is. But yeah, it's uh, it's fancy. It's stripy. I think
0: it's a good album cover.
1: I'm going to go with onesie. One of those like sleepy, like those zip up sleepy onesies. You know, that's what I'm going to say she's wearing.
0: Call it what you want. It won't change a thing.
1: If it is a onesie, that was some bad advice. All right. From the no, costume department. That was forced. <laughs>
0: It's way forced.
1: Um, all of mine are forced. I know. It's true. It's true.
0: <laughs> I like it as an album cover. I think the having it covered with plants. I know there's no real songs about plants, but this whole album feels like an album of growth. You know, a process of a process of developing and changing as things progress and so i think plants are a cool way to accentuate that right
1: on the cover i had in my notes i wasn't sure what the hedge and leaves were supposed to symbolize if anything so i'm glad you gave me something
0: i mean they might not really mean that i just in my brain that's how they connect
1: the other thing before we jump into the songs that i want to just hit right now because this feels like the right spot to do it Mm -hmm. uh like six or seven songs into this eight song album (laughs)
0: like most of the way through
1: (laughs) yeah I got the idea that this could potentially be a Plastic Hearts scenario where like all the songs could tell the same story of like so, like a concept album, right? Literally,
0: I literally put that in my notes, but I said, I'm not about to Plastic Hearts this. I just, I just <laughs> pointed out that if you shuffled them around into a different order.
1: Oh, would it have to be in a different order? Okay.
0: I feel like in a different order, they make more sense.
1: My problem was I didn't think of this till like the second to last track. And so I only get one listen. I couldn't go back and see if the thread followed right. And so that's something I plan to do after this recording is go back and take a look at that on my second listen.
0: Yeah, well, it certainly wasn't intended to be like that as it was written, but I think it's cool that that an LP can come out like this where so many of the songs follow such a like, similar theme, but every angle of it kind of takes on new life. Yeah. Every stage of this, I presume you consider it all one big relationship and one story arc for the character. But to think about it like that, every step of the way comes across in a very unique way on this album. And it starts with track one, Bad Advice. Into it we go.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, I guess I want to hear your thoughts first. What were your thoughts on the opening track? First of
0: all, I like the way that it opens. She's talked about deciding to put it at the top of the album. There's an 808 that they use at the very beginning that that sounds like all the strings. And she says that that's a really good intro for the album. She says it really sets the tone as far as showing a bit of her personality.
1: I agree. I had in my notes, interesting start. I like this music. Yeah, it
0: really, it opens the door and welcomes you into the world of the album. And then we hit verse one. Yeah, she said when she was trying to make this song, she wanted to do a nod to Western country because, you know, She's from the West, Colorado. But then she also wanted to make it something that was modern and and playable on the radio. Something that people now could relate to and enjoy. So... That kind of crossroads is where this song lands. The first verse is interesting. And the first verse is really what what I guess I would call the personality bit of the song because their personality really shines through. It takes on this really laid back, casual tone to it, right? I drove to Trader Joe's to get the wine and drink the whole bottle. I tried making out with a guy in the parking lot. I've kissed a lot of frogs and I haven't found my prince. It's, It's a whole different tone than we get on the chorus. And that tone shift is really, really intriguing to me, because we have the lighthearted verses, but the heavier chorus sets in with the main idea. I'm no closer to getting over you. Every remedy that I've tried ain't helping like it should, but at least I'm getting good at taking bad advice. I love that hook.
1: It's a good hook. It's clever.
0: And those little lyrical hooks are a thing that I think she really excels at, which is what makes her music so compelling to me most of the time, is she finds a way to bring two things together in a way that most people might not even think to do.
1: Yeah. The hooks for, like, how you get your song titles into your chorus and, like, your ending of your chorus, like you said, with the taking bad advice hook, kind of wrapping everything up. She's really good at that, but I struggle with some of her verses, and we'll see that as we go through. And on this one, uh, this one we can talk about backing up the verse one rhythmically. It was—it's
0: a little bit of a train wreck rhythmically.
1: I wrote in my notes that it was all over the place, but like it wasn't like all over the place in the sense that it wasn't like uniform. Like it followed a specific rhythmic cadence. It's just that cadence was all over the place, right? It was like a lot of fast sections that then would have pauses just randomly thrown in. You know, it was—it was hard to follow off of a first listen.
0: Sure, I get that. It's—it's it's way more conversational and way less structured less
1: structured is a good word
0: yeah because we start off with this i drove to trader joe's to aisle five got a bottle of merlot that's fine and then she kind of breaks into this talking bit my friend told me that if i drink the whole thing the, the whole cadence kind of gets lost in there because she's trying to tell it like a story and she does it again on kiss a lot of frogs before i find my prince there's a few spots where there's a a funky pause or something that's out of place
1: she loves mixing metaphors and imagery in this album is the other thing i'll mention up front that i'll talk about a lot is she likes to just take a lot of these different concepts not all of them are metaphors sometimes they're just different ideals or images that she'll put juxtapose next to one another to try to paint this image in your head rather than you know there's like that's a way to tell a story right Is to tell the story through metaphors and imagery and stuff like that. And then you have like your Billy Joel style where it's like, I'm going to give you a very vivid description of what is actually there. Right. And so it's like, it's two sides of the same good songwriting coin, right? It's just, whereas Billy Joel really focused on giving you the, a masterclass in how to paint a very div- vivid scene. She's giving the audience a masterclass and how to paint a very, vivid image in your mind of a feeling or a, like an idea.
0: Right. Well, because that's what she does in all these verses. She exemplifies what the bad advice that she's getting is, right? Drink wine, hook up with people, you know, get in the parking lot.
1: This is a good one because each verse kind of follows a specific bit of bad advice or at least like sections of the verses do you get the first half of verse one is about the bottle of Merlot the second half is all the guys in the parking lot right uh and so like she's picked one or two that she really hammers in on some of the other songs it's just like metaphor after simile after idea just all crammed next to one another and I didn't care for that as much again I'm jumping ahead of myself
0: yeah I'm interested to hear more specifics when we get to them but but yeah I, I don't know I mentioned it later on too but I like that she trusts the audience to get what she's digging at sometimes uh you know she can just throw bits of bad advice out there and not have to tell you this is the bad advice this is the bad advice like it's implied enough by the chorus being well I'm getting pretty good at all of that so I'm getting pretty good at bad advice you can you can put it together yourself and I like just having to take that little extra step is kind of refreshing
1: lyrically we're also a bit weaker in terms of Word choice, I feel like. Like, while the sum of the... It's like the sum of the parts is great, but the individual parts are a bit lacking. Because, like, here in, like, again, verse one, you got Trader Joe rhymed with Merlot. That's a decent one. I like that one. But then you get you rhymed with two, rhymed with new. Like, just a lot of very simple one-syllable words that on their own, you know, are kind of weaker. But again, the story she's building, this image in your mind of this bad advice that she's going through works. It's just the individual lines are a bit lacking or leave a little to be desired.
0: Well, I think part of it is that it's, Because it's trying to be so conversational, so casual, so laid back, and so much not like you're listening to her sing you a song, but she's just trying to, like, walk you through the situation through her perspective. That's, like, the way I would tell it to someone on the street.
1: The problem is I'm not talking to her on the street. I'm listening to her sing a song, and so...
0: (laughs) Well, you know... Fair enough. I can't argue with you about that. Well, you know, you could talk to her on the street. You can listen to her album on Spotify or iTunes, but you can't do both.
1: I mean, I could if I knew her.
0: Well, yeah, fair point. Both is the second song on the album, track two. It's one of the bigger singles off the album. And honestly, I think it's one of the catchiest songs out of these eight, at least. It's a song that takes a more serious tone, but then puts it in a lighter shell which is really interesting to me right because it's this song about this i guess you'd call it an ultimatum in the relationship right either you know be with me or don't be with me like cut the crap right that's the idea behind the song but it's in this really emotional really like not it's in a format that makes it feel not as relationship ending as it kind of is. I don't know. I don't know if that makes any sense. We'll get into it. She actually was quoted as saying that this was the only song on the album that started with a melody and not a lyric. She said normally all the other songs started with a concept that she wanted to write about, which honestly might be why it sounds so different than the lyrics would imply that it is, right? Because the music is where they started. That was the bass line, and they built the lyrics up from there. And it's actually the only song where they played with a Nashville session band they they had all kinds of session musicians in there and she said that it was really fun to work with such talented musicians and kind of be the director of that moment what did you think of this song
1: i think this song pulls off that rhythmic shift way better with like you know like you said it being more of a conversation i think this song pulls it off way better than bad advice did
0: yeah casual she's keeping it casual nothing too meaningful nothing irrational
1: like like that right there right casual pause You're keeping it casual, you know, it speeds up, but then pause again. Like, that works way better rhythmically as a song while also framing it like it's a conversation. Yes.
0: Yeah, that's very true.
1: She has these really nice choruses, right? The you can't tell me to stay, you can't push me away... Have space or get too close, but you can't do both. All that, right? It's great chorus, but the verses just do nothing to expand upon this story, right? Yeah, they do. The, the The verses don't take it anywhere, in my opinion. Yeah, they do. All the exposition of the story is in the choruses and the pre-choruses. The verses leave something to be desired. No, I think
0: the first verse, obviously, we don't have any idea about these characters. Sure. Right? So the first verse, we need that. Oh, you want to keep the relationship casual, nothing meaningful?
1: If you eliminate the first two lines the beginning verse, uh, verse, right? And you jump right into that pre-chorus with why do you text me saying you miss me? Stay in my place. It's kind of confusing. You're blurring the lines. You're playing two sides. Just make up your mind. That tells you the exact same information, but in a way better way as casual. You're keeping it casual from a lyric standpoint.
0: I think you need that first verse. I think you need that anchor and I think you need that touch point as the second verse. And I think it even elevates it because you can say, oh, you want to keep the relationship casual, but you're texting me. You can kiss me goodnight or goodbye. Like I'm getting mixed signals from you. And then verse two is finally the point where you come out and say, it's literally impossible to know what you're after because all of these different things are happening and you can't have it both
1: ways. I don't, I don't think it really tells you all that more. I was was saying verse two is just saying, right, it's impossible to know what you really want, which you kind of already understand because he's doing the pushing you away but pulling you close, kissing you goodbye and knock and goodnight. Like he's already doing all these things that make it so it's mixed signaled, right? The idea of it's a mixed signal and you don't know how what he really wants is already told to you through the chorus and the pre-chorus. So it's just reiterating the point, but not in the way I want it. I want it to be more. I want it to expand on the story in a more meaningful way than just reiterating what the chorus said. Oh, but you've only got those three little lines to do it. I know. Well, that's why I'm complaining. I want bigger verses.
0: What do you want there instead? I, I can't fathom.
1: I want, I want more. I want an actual verse because the other thing when you have limited verses like that with a repeating chorus is the song gets it's a bit stale because you're just hearing the same lines over and over, right? Like the pre chorus does a good job of giving you new things, right? But seven eighths of the song is the same chorus. And there's just these tiny little verses that just separate the chorus by a couple lines. And so the song sounds a bit stale because you're just hearing the same thing over and over. Like, I want you to expand upon this story and let me hear something different before you jump back into your main point that you're reiterating.
0: That's true. It, the, the short verse really doesn't offer much of a break from the main meat and potatoes of the song. It's really it's really de-emphasized.
1: That being all said, I am still considering this song for honorable mention.
0: Well, I mean, you almost have to because it's an eight-song album. Literally, half of these songs are going <laughs> to make some kind of marker for you, so... <laughs> What you're basically saying is, this is not one of the worst four songs. That's all that really means to me. I like both. Both is one that gets stuck in my head a lot. And I I honestly think it's one of the better songs on this album. I don't know about that. There's at least four better, or three better ones. If you disagree with me, maybe we're not friends. Wow. I see what you did there, but still hurts. Well, well, as as Ingrid Andrus proves to us, that doesn't have to be a bad thing. Track three, she describes this relationship. Of two people who, you know, pretend to be friends, even though they act like so much more than that, right? They just they just put the friend label on it, even though they're doing all the things that a couple would be doing. What's interesting about this song is that she wasn't writing it for herself. This is one song that she intended to be for other people. So that gave her a lot more room to be vulnerable and kind of just make something that's super personal because she wasn't going to be the one to sing it. And she didn't even realize it when she was doing it. She finished writing the song and she said, quote, Oh, wait, I think I need to sing this because it actually happened to me. And I feel like I wrote it for myself without me even realizing it. So she picked it up because she was like, this is too much of my experience to give it to someone else. I think in some ways, We're Not Friends, it feels a little bit like an extension of both to me, but almost like a, almost like a prequel.
1: Really? You went with prequel? I, I'm, I'm slowly putting together my uh, concept album, Map of how we get from song to song.
0: Yeah, honestly, you should probably stop. I want you to like this album and and I know how you feel about concept albums. So
1: and, uh, except for the ones that I put together.
0: Well, that's true.
1: Yeah, if you get to do it yourself. Yeah,
0: like if you show me a thing you built out of Legos, I might not be impressed, but if you if you give me Legos and I build it myself, even if it's the same thing, I'm going to be way more happy with
1: it yeah exactly it makes sense exactly yeah and i think it works just fine as a sequel but you know teach their own we'll talk about it at the end once i have my full roadmap great Also, the intro music to this song sounded familiar, but, like, slower. It's like, if you sped it up, it would remind me of another song, but I can't quite place what it is. Interesting. I... Those those beginning chords in that order, if you sped them up, it almost reminded me of, like, a pop song, but I can't think of which one. Well, probably.
0: I mean, there's nothing new under the sun when it comes to chord progressions, really. It's always been done.
1: And this is the big one. This is one of the bigger ones where I said, okay, she really likes to sing songs that are just a bunch of images and metaphors crammed together. Um specifically in the chorus right you get the we kiss at 2 a.m that tastes like wine we ride home in the dark with our fingers intertwined yeah image 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 it works because like it paints the picture in your head but it's like it's almost like the difference is like a paint by numbers right where you color in all the same color at once before moving on to the next color versus like brush stroke by brush stroke like building at something like bob ross style right like it's like two different ways to get to the same image in terms of how you craft your lyrics
0: I just, I love the way that this song is, is kind of laid out, right? Because the first verse is, oh, you know, we're acting like we're something we're not. Call it what you want. And then we get into the chorus and it's like, yeah, we are this and we are that. We're we're all these different things. But because we're all these different things, we're not friends. It's another spot where she really trusts the audience to pick up on that connection. Like because we're a kiss at 2 a.m., because we ride home with our fingers intertwined, we can't be friends because that's just not what friends are. And she tells us what friends are in a reverse way in verse two, right? Friends are something that we were before me sleeping in your shirt before we did again it's image 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 it's just more of that kind of tug of war that she teased on both
1: my biggest problem with this song was just that it the music didn't really do much special it felt like it was just a lot of held chords with nothing special going on in the background while you were just listening to her sing which after hearing some of the fun things she did on the other two songs would have i think Put this song over the top.
0: Yeah, no, I think you're right. Uh, this one, I mean, coming off of the last couple songs, this one does feel a little more stagnant. I think both moves a lot. I think Bad Advice moves a lot. I think this one really just kind of takes a break from all of that. Now, last week we had Weezer and I mentioned that the album kind of swells in the middle. You know, it starts okay and it ends okay, but the middle is really where it's its strongest. I kind of think the middle couple tracks on this album is is where it gets a little bit of a dip really i don't think that starts with the stranger
1: okay well since anyway that's what we're going into that was a little concerning because the stranger is the first connor top three
0: (laughs) i just thought i'd lay it out this the stranger i think is good lyrically musically i think it's a bit of a dive from the last three songs i think it's worse musically than all three of those but lyrically definitely it holds its own
1: interesting Yeah? So I said that musically this would have been my favorite so far, musically. Well, that's because
0: it's a piano ballad. That's literally, that's its thing. (laughs) She said... That it started as a piano thing And she said Building this song was really fun Because I wanted it to be driving You could easily get really sad On the piano So what do you think? Like does she do it? Can she keep the energy up? Or does it get slow and sad?
1: No I think I think it I mean it's a slower song But I think the energy goes up I don't think it's I didn't get I think it's I don't know if sad's the right word I think Reminiscent Reminiscence, great Yeah Um. I think she pulls it off This song again starts out so interesting With that, Like that choir Doing the all Oh, I love that. Um, And then my very next note was, ah, yes, more metaphors. (laughs) Naturally. No, but I mean the first verse is... is Kind of literal. Uh, it was more... I don't think I made a note about the first verse. I think that's more in uh, talking about the chorus because the chorus starts off with and you play the stranger, I'll play the girl at the bar. I mean, I guess it's not necessarily a metaphor, but again, it's like it's imagery, right?
0: Right, it's a whole um, It's a whole other world that you're being put into because you're not literally playing a stranger and the girl at the bar. You're just, you're just doing that.
1: You're just comparing your dynamic to that.
0: Yeah, you're seeking out those old feelings. You're going back to that place in your mind to maybe rekindle... The way that things were in that initial spark. What you might like is the reimagined version of this song. She released an alternate version on the deluxe edition of the album. And it's much more of a piano ballad. Way less of that driving feel. So I'd recommend you go check that out if you're interested in it. You might like it better than this version.
1: Uh, Is it on the deluxe edition? Yeah,
0: I haven't listened to the Deluxe Edition yet myself, but I feel like I kind of should. Honestly, there's only three-ish whole new songs on there, maybe, that aren't on this album. So it's not, like, super daunting to go through and listen. Some Deluxe Editions, you get, like, a whole second LP with them. But but this one's just, like, a, a couple nice bonus tracks. And they're rearranged. Like I said, who knows what the experience is like. The next song is Anything But Love. This is the one that really kicks off this, like, slower lower point of a middle two for me anything but love is kind of an anti-love song right like we've broken up and i want to move on but i can't feel anything but love
1: yeah um this song had my least favorite start like i said i said early on that she starts these songs always very interestingly this one didn't
0: You know, it's funny that this is kind of a a lower point for us because I think this seems like a bit of a high point for her, right? She, like we said, doesn't play guitar very well, so she's relied on other people to play the instruments, but she liked that letting someone else take care of that really let her focus on making the lyrics right and getting the phrasing down the way she wanted to. Um, She says she thinks it's probably one of the more poetic songs on the album with the metaphors. She said, quote, I feel I was really able to get into a deeper headspace, and not so much think about the chords and the movement. So it was like a different way of writing. And I think she really liked it. At least the process of coming up with it, if nothing else. Because it does, it's it's again, right in with the metaphors. One more whiskey sip till this bottle turns into a phone call, which I think is just a clever way to put that. One more cigarette till this parking lot turns into your front
1: lawn. Mm-hmm. Again, again, more of those cramming different images into your mind here.
0: Yeah, and and the problem, I th- the problem I think is that these ones are good images to set the mood, but they're not images that back the main idea of the song. Anything but love. Anything but love.
1: Also, I maybe I've heard this song. Really? <laughs> I don't know. It sounded familiar. The core, the chorus sounded familiar. I don't know. Like maybe I've heard it. Like when I was at the store, right? You know, they play radio songs or something. Yeah. You know, I thought I thought maybe I've just heard it. You know, casually in the background. Because when the chorus hit, I was like, "Oh, what is this?" I've heard. I think I've heard this. Yeah.
0: Well, it's interesting too because I think this one's a little bit like the opposite of what we saw on Bad Advice and some of the earlier songs, where those ones had simpler verses, but the chorus was really deep and kind of had some weight to it. These are the opposite, where the verses are where all the weight is, right? And then the chorus is very simple. Why won't this heart turn to stone? Come on, you've moved on and you're okay, but I can't even find a way to say goodbye. Like, that is simple. There's just not much to that.
1: Can we talk about the last two lines of the chorus? I need some help understanding them.
0: Uh, I was hoping you wouldn't ask.
1: Yeah. Uh, it, It's, they contradict one another. Am I wrong?
0: I kind of think they do. Yeah, every time I try to say goodbye... I always feel the same thing, and it will change... To anything but love.
1: Which means it's not love. It'll be anything but love. It's not love. But then the next line is, oh, why can't it be anything but love? Which would be saying, oh, why can't, why, it's only love. I wish it was something other than love.
0: Right. And the whole sentiment of the song relies on it only being love all the time because it won't change to anything else. Maybe that lyric's wrong. Maybe the the version we're looking at, because I'm going to spot check it real quick, <laughs> just to be sure. It's definitely a, a close call from what I'm hearing. It, it's either it don't change to anything but love or it, it'll change to anything but love. It don't change makes sense, but it doesn't sound quite right. It'll sounds correct, but it doesn't make any sense. Audience, if you have any insight to that, if you can decipher that line and maybe pick up where we've let down, <laughs> let us know. But honestly, that's not a game-breaking thing for me. I think the song mostly still functions the same as long as you understand the direction it's trying to go it's never really been a hindrance are you ready to talk about the big one the big one the big one yeah we're talking about more hearts than mine her first song and her biggest song to date
1: and connor top 3 oh connor top 3 now and absolutely my favorite favorite song on the album
0: I was just about to ask. You read my mind because, yeah, it has to be. This is this is the album's centerpiece. It's the standout here.
1: I, let me just take you. I know, I know normally you lead the discussion and I chime in, but let me just take you on my journey through this song in my notes.
0: Oh. Another hijacking. Okay. Well, yeah, I want to hear your journey through it, because if you hadn't listened to it before, I want to hear what your first time was like.
1: Yeah, the song started, and we started with... uh, My first two notes are, this has been the most descriptive descriptive verse by far. Oh, absolutely. And then immediately followed up with, and two verses in a row, an actual story. Yeah. Oh, it's a very, (laughs) very
0: vibrant story. A very full picture being painted here
1: and it was a simpler lyrical rhythm that was easy to latch on to you know i was able to latch on and kind of hum along to it without knowing the words i was able to feel what was coming i wasn't constantly being punched in the face by shifting rhythms
0: (laughs) this album is hardly one that i think punches you in the face by anything but sure
1: you get the idea i'm mixing my metaphors uh Trying to take a page out of her book. It had that nice chorus tagline of, uh, you know, oh, if we break up, I'll be fine, but you'll be breaking more hearts than mine. That was, that was just perfect. It was mwah, chef's kiss. Chef's kiss. Songwriter's kiss. Ah, it was, it was just a great certified, certified poetry. poetry. We haven't pulled out a good certified poetry in a while. This is one of them. In a minute. Yeah, this is this whole song is, is right up there. If I had to critique something about the song, I think it's fine as is, but if I... I had to do. If I were to change something about this song, it'd be verse three. Really? You just didn't like it, or what? What's the deal? I no, I liked it. I just don't want it to be verse three. Here's what I want. I want the verses because the first two verses were all about her and him, or her and this other person, right? Yeah, she's she's explaining the situation to him as they're
0: about to go to her hometown and meet her family.
1: And I want the second verse to be more about that situation, and I'd rather the second chorus be you know the same rhythms and notes and everything but the the lyrics being about the sister and the friends rather than the mom and the dad right no i'd much rather have another peek behind the curtain about her and him and talking about them and then a clever because i think you can find a very fun and clever way to use the same rhythms and notes But make it about the sister and the friend. I think you could do I could think I think you could have some real fun there writing that.
0: But there's no point. There's no point. We get everything we need about the sister and the friends in that third verse.
1: I don't want more about the sister and the friends. I'm saying I just want them told to us slightly differently so that we can get more in verse three about the relationship people. Is what I'm wanting. I'm not wanting more about the sister or the friends.
0: No, I don't I don't think it's about the guy at all. I think it's about this person saying to their significant other, hey. This is what I experienced in my past. And if you're going to come back and and go in my footsteps of my past, this is what you should look out for because this is what I did and what I had. Right, and
1: I want more of that. I want more of that her talking to him about that kind of stuff. I want more of it. I want it in verse 3. I want the verses to be about her talking to him about that stuff and the choruses to be about the family because the choruses are where the big hits are. So I, I feel like you slight the sister and the friends by just shoving them off into a cor- verse and not giving them a big old chorus where the big chorus hits are.
0: I think the chorus still has to be mom and dad. I disagree. Well, this song won a bunch of awards as is. So disagree all you want.
1: I agree. I, and again, <laughs> I led, led into all this saying that it's a fine song as is. But if I had to change something, that's what I would change.
0: Mm-hmm. Fair enough.
1: It's just the second chorus feels like filler. It doesn't add anything to the song.
0: It doesn't add anything to the song itself, but it supports the third chorus where the change happens. I just feel like you need it because one time through that chorus isn't enough to make the change as good as it is. But it's, it's equally important that we have a good understanding of what mom and dad would be like now, what they're about to do when you meet them, that we need that perspective really locked in before we change it up.
1: If that's the case, change up with what mom and dad are going to do. If you really want to keep it about mom and dad, have mom do something different and dad do something different with the guy while they're meeting them. You know, give me another example of what mom and dad are going to do. Don't give me the same thing. Yeah. At least then it does something.
0: Okay, that's fair. But, like, the, the part you still need to keep is whiskey over ice, and if you keep whiskey over
1: ice... I don't think you do.
0: Yeah, definitely, because the whiskey becomes you know, not for the guy. It becomes for her after this breakup. It, it's a whole thing. You know what? You, you get mentored by an American Idol judge. and You'll understand. Fair enough. What's ironic about this song, and what's kind of funny, is that the person that she was dating back when the song first came out had not met her family at that time. So she had to do a little bit of explaining and, you know, just a little damage control in that regard. But, but eventually he did meet her whole family and do the whole rigmarole that this song talks about, I guess. Up next, though... Track 7, almost to the end of the album, the penultimate track we have to talk about, Life of the Party. Ingrid calls this her sad girl party anthem. I actually half expected this fact to show up in Factor Spin, but she wrote this song while she was in a castle in France.
1: I saw that, and I thought maybe you'd know that, and so that's why I didn't put it there. Mmm, smart. Smart, because
0: I did know that, as I've just proved to you. I think the best part about this song, well, the chorus hook is pretty catchy. Look at me on the life of the party. That's pretty good, but I think the real awesome part of the song is the structure of it. We have the first verse that sets up nothing but the party, right? It's very carefree, cut loose. I'm laughing, I'm dancing on tables, I'm killing it. You know, we have no indications that anything's going wrong, and... Even through the pre-chorus, right? It's 3 a.m. still going strong. The first chorus still feels that way. Look at me, I'm the life of the party. Everybody loves me. And then we have this pivot, this really quick just stab right there. They don't know that I've been hurting because ever since you left me, I've been the life of the party. And you kind of go, huh? Where'd that come from? And so then the second verse, it gets a new job to do. The second verse has to explain this hurt that we've just kind of been blindsided with. And it's super cool that that movement parallels the idea of being the life of the party. Like, yeah, I'm happy, I'm trying to live it up, but all of a sudden the feelings come back and they hit me out of nowhere. And so verse two we get, I'm drinking my feelings, I'm repeating this every night, I'd swear I'm doing fine. We go through the whole thing again. So the second chorus totally hits differently with this background knowledge about why you're being the life of the party. And the bridge kind of does a mini parallel of that reveal structure. The bridge starts off all happy too. If you can see me now, I'm going hard. I'm better that you're not around. But then it does the little pivot at the end. At least that's what I tell myself. So I, I don't know. I just really like the way that this whole song is laid out. The way that it reveals information to us and tells its story is maybe the best song on the album that does that.
1: My problem with this song, I guess, was maybe that it was predictable. My very first note I wrote down when this song, uh you know, started playing. I said, based on the rest of this album, I'm going to guess this is about hiding, being sad after a breakup. And then instantly I was like, yep, called it. You know, when we hit that, (laughs) I just called it, you know, it was a very predictable song. Predictable from a, um what the song was going to be about standpoint.
0: In the context of the album. Yes.
1: I I'll give you that. This was the song when I first was like, maybe this is a concept album. You know, this is, this was the one I was like. (laughs) Maybe Way I need down to go back. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. This was one of my favorite uh, chorus hits on the whole album. It just it again, you said nothing on this album really hit you in the face. If something did, it was this chorus hit.
0: Yeah, well, they they do a great job with the drums to make it really pop. They just bop, 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 bop.
1: And so when that hit, I was like, why couldn't the rest of the song, like the verse structure and the music behind the verses take a page from the chorus and at least match up with it a little better? It just fell out of left field compared to what I'd already heard. Fair. My only other note is that, again, she nails the chorus mix-up at the end of the song.
0: Yep. Yep, she does. And this is one of the only places that the album successfully, like, brings down a chorus, really, like, rolls it back, scales it down, and has it still work. The last song is the album's title track, Ladylike, and what's clever about it is, you know, Ladylike as one word is its own adjective, but this song, it gets the space because it's describing all the ways that she is a lady, like, she is a lady like this. Well,
1: actually, it's describing all the way she's not a lady, you know, per, like, societal norms or standards.
0: She, She says, I've always been trying to fit into a certain gender stereotype that we all kind of believe we have to fit into. She says that she would play street hockey and then come home and do science experiments on Barbie dolls because she grew up kind of free from that pressure. And so when she came to Nashville and just kind of changed scenery she ran into a lot more of that pressure, right? Oh, the girls do this and the guys do that. And uh, and so that's what this song is born out of. You know, she's not a lady like what she's expected to be. She's a lady like this and that, as we get to in the chorus. I like this song. I, I guess my least favorite parts are the first half of the pre-chorus and then, like... There's a line in the chorus that just gets me every time. But overall, I think the song is really great. You know, she talks about all these things that actually is her personality. It's another very personal song to her, which is interesting. She says that she didn't think it would be so relatable because she wrote it so much for herself. And then people would start to come up to her and say, yes, that's so relatable. That's so me. I relate to this. People of all kinds. She says even guys would come up to her and say, I'm a lady like that, which is, you know, it's cool that she's able to cross so many boundaries with this song. And she's really kind of struck a chord with people.
1: I wasn't sure how to feel about the hit. You know, we talk about how she always has these great hooks for her choruses. When the chorus started on this one, when when, when I'm a lady like, whoa, I didn't know how to feel about the whoa. Like the woe at first to me felt like I don't know what to put here that fits the syllable count I'm looking for and is clever. So I'm just going to say woe to fill the space is how it originally came off. As the song went through, I think I liked it more. I just think I need some more listens on it before I, because I, it is, it's a great hit. You know, I'm a lady like, whoa, it's a great hit. I just wasn't sure how I felt about the use of the word
0: You have to switch how you're thinking about the word woe, right? It's not a space filler in this sense. It's an expression of awe and um, just like being blown away by it. Right. And in that context, I think it works way better.
1: It's not her saying, well, it's like the people who are looking at her are like, whoa,
0: whoa. Yeah, exactly. And that changes the whole complexion of it.
1: That's because, again, again, you hear that and then she proceeds to go through the chorus of I could bring you to your knees and get you kicked out of the Garden of Eden. And I'm like the Mona Lisa, you know, all this stuff. They kind of gave me that that twist on it. And so that's why I said I think I liked it more as I went through the song. It was just as an initial hit, I was like, oh, that feels out of place for someone who's typically been pretty good about their word choices, even when they were, you know, weaker words, they were still at least had purpose. So I was just a little concerned when I first heard it.
0: Yeah, that's fair. You know what? This is the second song. I'm realizing it now that you said that. The second song we've talked about that mentions the Garden of Eden. Do you remember the first? It's pop quiz.
1: Oh, gosh. Pop quiz. Uh, uh, Plastic Hearts by Miley Cyrus. Uh. incorrect (laughs) incorrect i black out when we record these
0: (laughs) right it you're gonna be disappointed when i say it she'll promise you more than the garden of eden she's always a woman billy joel
1: oh my gosh how did i not remember that line i don't know i don't know you missed it oh my gosh billy joel why would i have been
0: disappointed by that just because i missed it because you like billy joel yeah and you missed it gotcha by a mile. Anyway, no, the one line that always gets me in this chorus, and it's just, it's a little nitpicky, I I know,
1: but just, I can't overlook it. See if it's the same one that got me. (laughs) <laughs> I have one here.
0: It's smack in the middle. She says, untamable, unframable, Mona Lisa. The Mona Lisa has been like famously in a frame for most of its life, if not the whole time. The Mona Lisa is anything but unframable.
1: So one, I love that line. I interpreted it as the Mona Lisa, right? Is framed. It is and it's stuck in a museum, so it's tamed. She's better than that. Like she's as good as the Mona Lisa, but she's untamable and unframable. You can't box her in. Put her in a museum she's better than the mona lisa is how i interpreted that okay
0: no i kind of like that i don't think the line
1: leads you to the- especially because she's like going you know i could bring you to your knees and i could get you kicked out of the garden of eden like it's all these like i'm great i'm awesome i'm a i'm a i'm a force to be reckoned with nice save yeah right so taking that into the untamable unframable mona lisa line that's how i interpreted it and i love that line untamable unframable mona lisa that was one of i ever had that in my notes as a great rhythm, a rhythm highlight.
0: Oh, it is. It is. And I like the way that Mona Lisa kinda works with the instruments to build back up to that O. It kinda it kinda serves as our stair step back up to that top level so we can bring it down and around again.
1: Uh I should say this real fast. It's probably obvious for anybody who's been playing at home. Uh this is the final counter top three. We've hit the end of the album. We had one spot left. Makes sense it's this one. Yep, that fits. And a lot of it is for the lyrical choices in this chorus. Like I said, I love that and favorable Mona Lisa line. The kicked out of Garden of Eden rhymed with I could bring you to your knees and, knees and and Eden rhyme. You know, that kind of slant rhyme. Was I think the most complex rhyme in the entire album. In turn, from a rhyming perspective uh you're probably right it was it was very good my only rhythmical note on this song would be in verse two the second line the when i'm in the middle of getting hit on like she holds some words interestingly there to almost like she need to fill some extra space
0: yeah well it's funny that you call that line out because like that actually happened to her that's a real life experience she was getting hit on and she started talking about politics she just forgot. And the guy was like, whoa, <laughs> you know, what are you doing? They say never talk about politics on a first date, but they never say anything about pre-date. This is true. This is before the first date. So she doesn't bite her tongue. She speaks her mind. That's what's on her mind. She spake it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> this is one of the songs that I said was like seven eighths chorus, you know, because you hit that chorus at the beginning, then you get the verse two, then you hit pre-chorus, chorus, pre-chorus, chorus times two, you know, <laughs> it's like nothing but chorus and pre-chorus the entire song except for two verses
0: well at a certain point i I mean you can get away with doing the chorus once in between verses but i think once you've done the second chorus there's absolutely no bringing it back down to the level of the verse you're already like at the top and there's no way that you can get away with taking it so far down
1: i mean unless it's a longer song where you're gonna have a third verse you know there's play songs with third and fourth verses and stuff but uh, i agree with you on this song there was no bringing it back down because of how they built it Um, and so my complaint is why did you need to go pre-chorus, double chorus at the end after you pre-chorus, chorused, you know, just do pre-chorus, double chorus. If you really want that double chorus and cut out an entire chorus and pre-chorus, you know?
0: What do you want from her?
1: She's controversial. She's lady like double
0: chorus at the end. <laughs> That's going to be the next song. <laughs> lady like a double chorus at the end of a song.
1: Um, I also should just quickly also say, because I forgot it, on Life of the Party, that was the third song in contention for Conorable Mention.
0: Oh, the third song in contention for Conorable Mention. So you, you had three in your top three, and then three of the other <laughs> songs were in contention for your fourth spot, which means... There's really only two songs that just, just didn't get it done for you. Correct. <laughs> well, let, let's, let's call it Final Spin then. And uh, what were those two songs that just didn't even get you going?
1: Uh, it was Bad Advice and We're Not Friends. Bad Advice
0: and We're Not Friends. Those are two that I actually kind of like more.
1: Yeah, because both was in contention. Anything but Love was in contention. And then uh, Life of the Party were in contention.
0: Mm-hmm. Those are your top six.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so top three, more hearts than mine, Ladylike, The Stranger, and then I think I'm going to give it to, I can't decide if I want to give it to both or Life of the Party, because I really like that chorus on Life of the Party.
0: Well, you can't give it to both. You have to pick one.
1: (laughs) In that case, I'll give it to Life of the Party if I can't give it to both.
0: Well, no, you can give
1: it to both. You just can't no, give it No, you to said it. I couldn't give it to both, so I guess I'm giving it to Life of the Party.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, what do I care? It's your ranking.
1: Yeah, Life of the Party gets honorable Mention for
0: its nice core set. Solid. That's pretty solid. My scores, as far as scores go, are, you know, kind of wide-ranging from thing to thing. The music, first of all, I think it's pretty solid throughout this record. I mean, you listened to it one time, and you came out of the gate singing <laughs> <laughs> you were already picked up on it. And there were a couple other songs that you, you caught onto right away. You said you were humming along with as they were going. I think that's a hallmark of, you know, a good melody is that you can pick it up right away and sing along with it. I agree with you. Sometimes the rhythms are a little out of place, especially in Bad Advice. But at the end of the day, I think almost every song on this album is stick in your headable and they're not always super complicated or anything you know they're not always very musically complex in terms of the chord progressions but it's what she does with the melodies and some of these really high notes these bigger hits that she manages to get into that i think that's really where the album's the strongest given music in 86
1: all right 86
0: yeah i think that's almost this album's strongest feature lyrically i really like a lot of the metaphors that she gets into and uses you know it's it's like we've said a couple times, image, 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 and then she presents the flip, the twist, the clever way that she's, you know, added the hook of the song. I like that she trusts us as an audience enough to make that jump ourselves most of the time. I think a lot of the, I mean, I mentioned the clunky rhythms in the music and stuff, but I think a lot of that is because of the lyrics that are attached to those rhythms. So, you know, sometimes they kind of falter. Sometimes it is pretty conversational. Some of the rhymes are, you know, what whatever they are. Some of them kind of stay pretty simple, but then some of them are bring you to your knees and the guard of Eden. So I think there's enough going on to keep it interesting. I'm giving lyrics an 82. Instruments of production, I really don't have too many things to say about, honestly. It, it kind of is what it is on this album. I think they do enough to keep it sounding modernized and poppy, even though they kind of have that country backbone the whole time. We talked about the 808s at the beginning, the strings that really opened the door for us and kept you in the whole time. I like the way that this is piano driven. You know, A lot of modern country music is more guitar driven, and I think it's cool that it's not. Instruments of Production I'm kind of lukewarm on but I'm giving an 80 and overall vibe everything all taken collectively this album is is pretty tight right is short sweet to the point I think all these songs are focused you know they're they're similar enough that you can turn them into one cohesive narrative, but they're different enough that everything feels fresh. Every song is a new angle, and I don't think anything gets beaten to death. Sonically or lyrically, thematically, everything kind of feels new at every turn, so it doesn't really need to be any longer. I think she says everything she wants to say in these eight songs. So, vibe very consistent, very good overall. I think I'm giving it an 88.
1: Alright, and that brings us to... What the squirrels got for us?
0: Running it by the math department full of squirrels, they are telling me the final score is an 80 5.6.
1: I was talking to a uh, to somebody who listens to the podcast, and they said we hadn't talked about the squirrels in a while, and they wanted to know if they were okay. Oh, oh yeah. They said they've just been, you know, on holiday vacation, you know, and they got holiday break. Yeah, they
0: did. They were hibernating. We've
1: kind of been doing the math
0: ourselves. Well, they're back now, and I should assure the audience that they're all doing fine. All of our squirrels are still healthy and well. We
1: might be hiring a couple new ones, you know, if it's in the budget.
0: Honestly, it might be. The podcast is growing. We're we're doing more math nowadays, and we'll have to wait and see. So if you're a squirrel out there listening and you know you're looking for a job go ahead and send your applications our way the spin it podcast we've got our website www.spinitpod.com fill out the form there we'll be in touch if you're not a squirrel you know there's the positions for squirrels
1: only do not apply
0: I don't think there are laws against that yet right
1: are we allowed to do that? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if we're allowed to discriminate against species. I don't know. Against humans and not squirrels? (laughs) Uh, We'll find out. I don't think there's a lot of legal, you know, precedent in the squirrel hiring sector, so we might be able to get away with it. We could claim ignorance. It's
0: okay. Anyway, 85.6 is my final score. That puts it currently at 183 on the list. And now it's time for your score. What did you think? And I'm really curious about this because this seems like a really good, like this album had some moments that you liked and some moments that you didn't like, and I felt like it was kind of shooting down the middle for you. And I'm curious to see where that lands it as far as a numerical score
1: goes. Yeah, you're right. It definitely shot right down the middle, pretty much. um I think I'd say upper middle, though, if I had to place it. In terms of like modern country that strays more towards pop, this was up there. I'm typically not as big a fan of that, and so this one kind of shined above. The rest of that genre. Mm -hmm.
0: It's honestly hard for me to pick out where exactly this album shifts between country and pop. You know, that line is very, very blurry and ambiguous all the way through. You know, with Casey Musgraves, it was a little more clear. Oh, she sings like Daft Punk. That's pretty pop. Oh, she's got a steel guitar. That's pretty country. This album really doesn't have any of those little road marks. You know, it's hard. I almost
1: think it's the use of the piano as heavily as it is. That gives it more of it's like, oh, John, Billy Joel pop vibes.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. Anyway, I don't mean to interrupt, carry on. I just had that thought and I was like, hmm. It's somewhere on the scale between inner wave where they just incept ideas into you with random images and then billy joel where he lays it out
1: yeah but it's closer to the inner wave this is the midpoint
0: between inner wave and billy joel which is a weird midpoint isn't it <laughs> yeah it <laughs> but, is but that's kind of uh, what it is hey, for me
1: i'm gonna make a little graph that just lists every album we've done and put it on that on that spectrum now
0: we, we should do that we should make all kinds of graphs and charts for all of our oh boy that's getting dangerous
1: <laughs> audience if you want to make us some charts and graphs for things that'd be cool
0: make us a fan graph are we that kind of a podcast? Hey, send us your data.
1: You can be part of the statistics department.
0: Do the squirrels know that department exists?
1: They might get a little jealous. They're not that kind of math squirrels.
0: <laughs> what does that?
1: All right. And with that, my score. This one's going to get seven more hearts than mine.
0: <laughs> so does that make it an... In- Eight because you have one
1: heart, and if it gets seven more hearts than you, we'd have to check with the math squirrels. I don't know, uh, I can't do the math on that. I think, I think, like I said, the squirrels have a lot on their plate right now until we get some more hired in. I don't think we can really get a definitive say on whether or not it's supposed to be an 8, so we're just going to leave it at 7.
0: Okay, seven's a middle a middle of the road for you. I, I kind of thought it would be.
1: I mean, for me, right? Again, with my lowest being a 5, a 7 is pretty darn middle of the road. And this is might make you happy, might make you sad. We'll find out. It's going to be the top of my 7s.
0: That absolutely makes me sad. What? The previous top of your 7s was Dark Side of the Moon. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I know. That's what I said, you really liked this album, I and mean, you wanted it to score high, but in order to do so, it had to shift Dark Side of the Moon down one.
0: Wow. I mean, okay, top of the sevens. I guess I'm I'm not surprised very much. That's all I've got to say about that. That's all I've got to say about that, too. So you know what that
1: means. Keep spinning. Now. Well,
0: yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for tuning in, checking us out. You know, whether you're a, a longtime listener or a first-time fan, whatever you are, thanks for checking it out.
1: Or a longtime fan and first-time listener. If you're a
0: longtime fan and a first-time listener, cool. You probably already know about our social media because I don't know how else you'd, you'd know about us. But you can check us out on Twitter at SpinItPod and Instagram at SpinItPodOfficial. We have a website at www.spinitpod.com. Squirrels, you know, come with your resumes and applications. And stay tuned. You know, follow us wherever you're listening to podcasts and and check out every time a new episode comes out. Maybe it's an album you love. Or an album you've never heard of that you will love. Or an album that you've never heard of that you'll hate. Who's to say? That's the fun of it, you know? But uh, I feel like I should address next week, I'm really going to have to set Connor straight on exactly what heavy Uh, metal music is. It's not me, it's the mixtaper. (laughs) The mixtaper. We'll see if the mixtaper is... wised up to what heavy metal music is we're talking about avenged sevenfold so everybody get ready
1: ax7 or a7x sorry isn't that what they go by a7x
0: yeah a7x is how it's abbreviated yeah i know my heavy metal i'm i'm dubious i'm skeptical i think i'm gonna surprise you tune in next week to to see connor surprise us until then have a great week everybody and keep spinning i actually listen to a lot of heavy metal I know you do, actually. You introduced me to some some heavier bands that I like, that I know of now. We'll see how you do.